Hey everyone, welcome to Startup Battlefield. In this podcast mini-series, we're taking you behind the scenes of TechCrunch's illustrious pitch competition. You'll learn how we pick the top 20 companies and what it takes to win over the panel of judges. I feel good and uh, I want to win. <laughs> I want all my hard work to just come true, that's it. <laughs> Ugh, I love a good underdog story and that feels like one of those. With that, we will go ahead and move to the winner of Startup Battlefield 2022. And that is... Let's give them one big round of applause. Hello and welcome to the final episode of Inside Startup Battlefield. It's me, your host, and the Startup Battlefield editor, Nisha Tambe. Thank you all so much for coming on this journey with us. In this episode, we'll be sitting down with the winners to get to know them a little bit better. When a company is ready to go, I give them a reminder of why they're in this competition. We pick them for a reason. We pick them out of thousands of applications. It is harder to get into Startup Battlefield than it is to get into Harvard. So to be able to remind them that it's not just, hey, this is a stressful thing to be pitching on stage or, oh my God, here's a competition and I need to win. They've already won by being selected. When they come off stage, it is just celebration. It does not even matter how the pitch went, you know, I, I'm backstage watching every single pitch, every single Q&A segment. And when they come off stage, it is a huge accomplishment to put yourself and your company on a stage of this magnitude is a big deal. And the fact that these founders have done it, I mean, I get nervous going on stage to announce who the runner up and the winner are, <laughs> let alone actually pitching a company. I think, you know, I'm in awe of the founders I get to work with and it's honestly an honor, but when they come off stage, it is a hug and a high five and you did well, like you got this, this is, this is going to be great for you. So I'm really excited that that was, that's our flow. They're prepped before they go on stage and they come off, off stage and it's just a celebration. So you just came off stage, you're on the finals. How are you feeling about how pitch number two went? Uh, I think it went well. I'm glad it's over. I can relax finally <laughs> and maybe watch some other pitches and yeah. get to enjoy what people talk about. Uh, I feel good and uh, I want to win. <laughs> we win, like I said, we were here for fundraising. That would be one step for us to go back and get some things done very quickly because we had we have few lags back my workplace. So we'll get that done so that it will help us to get more funding. So came off stage again with another massive smile. How did it go? It went really well. The, so first off, I think just being up there and being in the top five is awesome. Like I've had people reaching out already since yesterday, like, oh, we want to try your stuff. Oh, we're interested. Like, oh, tell me more. Like, oh, what roles are you hiring for? Like, so that, that I've already started getting what I wanted from being up on there, which is amazing. And then if we win, like that's just going to give us so much more clout. It's like perfect for when we go to raise our next round, we can point to this like, hey, we won Battlefield, right? Can also point that out to customers. Uh, I actually even had someone I've been in conversation with who hadn't responded to that last email I sent, send me a message this morning and say, can we chat next week? Picking a winner is honestly impossible. And I'm glad that I don't have that task. It's really up to the judges in the final round who pick the winner. Every company is the best in their field, or they are doing one of the most innovative things in their field. So to pick just one is 
very hard. I mean, they're all the best of their category or even the best of the best. After watching all the pitches, who do you think is going to take it home? Well, initially I thought uh, that the lithium startup just has the biggest TAM, but the very last one, I didn't like it initially, but the more traction that they showed and the more not only LOIs, but actual contracts that they booked, it seems that they've got the most traction that they've taken off like a rocket ship. And so if I really had to pick one, I think they're the the easiest one. I mean, just the easiest pick. They've, they've de-risked everything. They just need to scale up the robotics. Okay, I'm going to go counter to that. I think it was definitely the lithium, the two ladies from Lithium. I think, you know, good presentation. They clearly have an incredibly close uh, relationship to the problem. And if they can make that work and get that to scale, I think that's a, that's a, a giga corn right there. Um, I was just really impressed with the caliber of presentations and the companies. People are solving problems I didn't even know existed in ways that are like unbelievably sophisticated. So, yeah, I was just overall very impressed. I arrived and I just watched the last one, and, but I really like the woman's talking about the lithium. So, but I don't know the name of the company because I really arrived in the middle of their presentation, but I'm <laughs> Well, with that, I think we will go ahead and move to the winner of Startup Battlefield 2022, and that is Minerva Lithium. Minerva Lithium created a nanomosaic technology that when put into brine can actually extract lithium and side benefit is actually drinkable water. So they're creating some really game-changing technology in their space. And let's give them one big round of applause. All right, how do you feel? I feel top of the world. Yay! Woo! And yeah! <laughs> and uh, this is my dream come true. It's not a simple thing for me. So yeah, this is an another step for me, which will, uh, you know, it is an affirmation that I am on the right path. And you know, there's more to do. Now we'll hear some excerpts from Sheba's interview from the TechCrunch's Found podcast. Daryl Etherington is the host, and I stepped in as co-host for this one. Enjoy and check out the Found feed for the full episode. You know why you're here. This is our podcast focused on the stories behind the startups as told by the people who built them, the entrepreneurs and the startup founders who create these companies. And the reason Nisha is here is because we're going to be talking to the winner of the most recent startup battlefield competition on this show. Today, we're talking to Sheba Dawood from Minerva Lithium, a clean energy technology that uses a proprietary nano mosaic filter to extract critical materials from non-traditional water resources. So excited to hear more from Sheba and also learn a bit more about what goes on behind the scenes at Battlefield. Hi, Sheba. How's it going? All good. How about you? Oh, it's going great. I'm, I'm very excited to talk to you. Can you tell us a bit about what Minerva Lithium does? In Minerva Lithium, we do direct lithium extraction technology for critical minerals. And uh, what we do is we are aiming to develop sustainable energy technology to kind of address the national security and economic prosperity of United States. Uh, so we are developing a very efficient direct lithium extraction technology and as well purifying the water. So that is what our technology lies in. Nice. 
Yeah, that sounds great. I think obviously addresses a problem, mm-hmm. growing problem. We need lithium. We need it from somewhere. It's not readily available. And this direct, the direct extraction is like an area of growing interest. I think the thing that always comes up, at least in my limited experience talking about this or learning about this, is cost, right? So it seems to be always like it's too, it's too expensive in terms of the end result and sort of the, the profit margins that people have. So how do you kind of address that part of the problem? So there are two different things that currently Minerva Lithium is focusing. One is definitely to cut down the cost. And mm. the second most important right now, there is a lot of awareness among people in, in the world. That is because of global climate change crisis. And mm-hmm. right now we require a sustainable technology, sustainable way to do things to move forward. So it's like a cycle. So if any new technology is coming and if they're producing a lot of carbon emission and there's a lot of uh, damage that is being done to the environment, you're trying to address the global climate change and you're producing actually contributing to it in a way. So that is like a cycle and that's what I have been seeing and we are trying to break this down and considering the impact, the global impact, the, you know, the pollution has. So we are trying to cut that down mm-hmm. and as well provide, you know, a much more efficient technology, which is cost effective. So considering, you know, I just would like to give some, you know, economics there. Sure. So currently the technology that is being used to extract lithium, it is called solar evaporation. And as the name itself sounds, it is very Asian technique and it uses about 20,000 acres of land and uh, they extract lithium. Uh, for example, if they extract one metric ton of lithium for months, we extract lithium within 72 hours. Wow. And the usage of water, they use up to dry that water. You know, they use up about 500,000 gallons of water to produce one metric ton of lithium, whereas we use 30,000 gallons of water and we are recycling that water. So we are recycling and that water can be reused. So there's no wastage that you see here. And that's what we are trying to achieve. And this is not happening in a day. So we have been working from the science and right now we have reached uh, at the pilot scale. So I would say that it would definitely take time, but we will get there. So Nisha, I'm curious because you work with all these companies so closely and you obviously worked with Minerva. What was the initial conversations like and how do you do the kind of discovery around, you know, talking to Shiva and learning about like the company and what, how do you, how do you say like, oh, that sounds really cool. Like, just take us through that. Well, we have an open application process, which y'all came through. And I remember when I read the application, quite frankly, I didn't believe it. Um, I was just like, this isn't possible. (laughs) We get a lot of those. We get a lot of those where it's like, well, I have a perpetual motion machine. And you're like, I don't think you do. I don't think you have that. No, you don't. Um, But one of the things we do in the review process while we're doing our due diligence, much like a VC fund does, we go to experts and we say, hey, like this company says they can do this. Is this possible? And the people that we went to were like, yes, what they're doing exists, what they're doing is real. And then when I talked to them more and heard about their backgrounds, because, you know, both Sheba and her co-founder have pretty, pretty significant um, academic backgrounds and they're, they're researchers, they really know what they're doing. And to then be able to put that on stage was amazing. It, it took us a little time to get the messaging right, I think. Yes. Um, but by the end of it, it was, it was pretty flawless. Cool. Well, and Sheba, do you want to maybe take us into some of that background? So what brought you to this? Like, you, it was it your academic work or how did you get into this to begin with? 
this is something that it kind of goes into my personal journey. Uh, I actually wanted to be a doctor and ah. uh, my father wanted me to be a doctor. It's it's like that in India. You are either an engineer or a doctor, either right. of the two. Uh, so that's how I grew up thinking that I'll be a doctor, but I couldn't because I couldn't get into one of those schools. And that is when I decided to do something different. Mm. And I've heard of nanotechnology, got into the research. And I still remember those conversations that I used to have during my traveling for my graduation from, you know, from my home to my university. What is nanotechnology? What do you do? And they really don't get, no one gets it, you know, what research is and they don't understand the value. And somewhere uh, I take criticism maybe constructively uh, I'm like you know maybe I need to do something about this maybe people need to know what you know we have a value I know it's Mm. not seen on a daily basis like how doctors value is seen on a daily basis but we are valuable too. So that is something that I grew up. And then when I came to US, uh, fortunately, my university promoted entrepreneurship. And I thought this is a great chance for me. And um, I really wanted to work on this and I believe in the product. You know, shifting, shifting into like the battlefield side of things a little bit, you know, what was that experience like for you over some of the highs and lows of the battlefield process? I would say that actually, um, whenever I used to participate in different competition, I kind of get the sense of it, you know, what my audience are and what's the pattern. It's very important. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this time I feel that uh, I kind of had a break uh, with the pitch competitions because I just delivered a baby in January and getting back to the work immediately, getting my head into this, it took me time. And I, I, <laughs> I, I struggled there a bit and managing all of this. And at the same time, while I had TechCrunch Battlefield, I had two other competitions. Mm. We actually won in all of those. Oh, but wow. yeah, everything had a different pattern. So there were a lot of things that were going on and off. And I was like, I used to have a lot of conversations with Nisha and I was like, I was able to get what she was trying to tell, but I couldn't get that to her. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I I knew that what she was trying to tell me and what she was trying to uh, direct me, I know that I could take that, but I really couldn't present it to her immediately. But somehow I just got some time for myself and I was able to do that. Uh, but I would say that Nisha played a significant role. And I would say Thanks. till date, <laughs> wherever I have been presenting and wherever I have actually done well, I've had people who, uh, you know, criticized me I mean like gave me a very good criticism so and from that I kind of you know grew and I take them constructive nice yeah it's just to switch gears a bit I'm curious what have you been up to since in the months what has happened as a result of Battlefield and I guess you know what has the progress been for Minerva in general yeah I would say that personally I felt like a celebrity for a few days um, Great. That's because, what we hope. Will yes, happen. <laughs> yes. It was amazing, and I was like, okay, how, how when is this going to end? Even after coming back to my hometown in North Carolina, Mayor called me and she was like, she's very oh. proud of me. And then they're recognizing. Oh, really? Me. That's great. Yes, the reco- mayor. Mm-hmm. So wow. they're recognizing me this. Yeah, so they're recognizing me this December and giving me an award. And then otherwise, uh, that that's my personal achievement that I would say. And then otherwise, for, for a company, it has been a huge shift. Now people know us. And I had like 50 venture firms reaching out to us. I had wow. uh, every day, my last 25 days, I was just in meetings. 
and we were trying to get the lead investor. So right now uh, we are raising about 10 million and we have shortlisted few lead investors. Now they are doing due diligence mm -hmm. and uh, very soon they will visit our facility and our round will be closing in the first week of February. So that is where we are. And um, yeah, I thank TechCrunch. I, I actually didn't know that this would be coming after this. I just thought it's about 100K, but later what I saw was much more bigger than that. So I have a question for you. Actually, I have two. But when you were on stage, there was a lot of, wow, you know, kind of the same thing I felt when I was reading the application was like, this can't be real. Like, it's it's too good to be true. What was that like on stage? Like, I remember you and, you know, and, and Himali coming off stage just being like, they didn't believe that this was real. Yes. <laughs> What, how was that, you know, for you when you were on stage experiencing that live? Yes, I would say, Nisha, this was not first time that we came across something like that. Because I know uh, when we say something like that, they were like, then why are you here? Give us money kind of thing. <laughs> so where's mm -hmm. the money? You know, I get that from a lot of investors. But what we are doing is a, we have proved the basic science. So we have, you know, the foundation because I have been to a lot of DLE technologies. I have interacted with them and I personally have seen how they work. They don't work, unfortunately, mm -hmm. because there's no science. So that is how, that is where we have our confidence. And that is the USB that we have in our intellectual property that we have. And the patent and the process that is so different from the others. So um, I wasn't surprised. I was actually, uh, I knew that this was coming because I have already faced uh, these kind of questions a lot of times. But we were prepared in a way and we tried to, uh, you know, I felt that we answered in a right way, showing them like how from where we started and what all we have proved and where are we getting. So I felt that it was a great way, actually, in a good way. I see that by highlighting that, I felt that the message was much clearly delivered to the people, you know, mm. because they were just thinking, oh, this is just lithium extraction company. But later mm -hmm. when, you know, the VCs were kind of highlighting that, that is where I saw that people were trying, oh, they also do the water. So next day when I was seeing the LinkedIn post and all of that, they were all like, this is cool tech, really helping yeah. the world. So I saw that this actually made a, you know, good, um, it played a significant role there. I had a question just kind of around, you know, you talked about the progress so far in terms of funding and everything else, just on the company building side, how has that been for you and how have you kind of evolved as a leader? And then as, as you're like looking into being the person who's like, you know, running a company, like how do you deal with that? Where do you look for guidance and uh, yeah, how have you kind of developed over time? I would say that while I was doing my PhD and while I was uh, back in India, I used to participate in a lot of, you know, public speaking forums. So that mm -hmm. way I know to express myself well. That is one quality that I had with me since back when from when I was in school. But otherwise, leading company and all of that, I would say that I somewhere learned it from my co-founder, who is also who was also my professor, the leadership skills that she has and the mm -hmm. command that she has and how she lead. Like she's a woman and I have seen how she kind of uh, fights back for everything. So I would say that she was in a way one to whom I was looking up to. And also back at home, I my mother, she runs schools. I mean, she's a principal. And mm. then uh, I have always seen her, how she manages stuff. And she's a team leader and uh, she manages everything on her own. So these two had played a very significant role. And that somehow got into me. It's naturally, I would say. And as a leader right now in my team, we have like uh, almost six to eight people, like scientists that are working under me. And mostly I try to have more communication 
and uh, also much more clear on the daily basis because in that way that will help us to move forward. So I would just say keep it simple, not complicated and have communication and I think things will just work for you. And that's how it have worked for me. So, yeah. You know, to, to grill on that a little bit, you know, you had mentioned that uh, Himali had faced some challenges being a, a woman in academia. Mm-hmm. Your company is interfacing with a lot of, for lack of a better phrasing, a cisgender, straight, white American males, right? Mm-hmm. If you're looking at the oil industry or looking mm-hmm. at a lot of the energy industry, that's what you're facing. And you are not that. Mm-hmm. How are those interactions for you when you go into those conversations? Oh, okay. These are my nightmares that I have mm-hmm. faced, actually. I'm sorry. How did I forget about that initially, <laughs> my journey? Yeah, I was, uh, uh, to be very honest, I was made fun of because of my accent. Mm-hmm. I was made uh, fun because of my, there were a lot of things that I have, I have faced. But right now, that is the reason I just said that I developed thick skin. I am actually very sensitive as a person. That's mm. how I am. I cannot take it. But uh, I know that I have to achieve this. And these things are going to come in my way anytime or the other. And uh, there are intellectual people who can see what I can do. And that's how my approach has been. So I just look for the people who understand and who will help me to move forward. And I collaborate with them. Uh, and then that's how I have moved on. But otherwise, yes, I have faced um, inequality on every basis, uh, but that is not going to stop me. I would put it that way. It sounds like when you encounter that, it doesn't sound like you, well, maybe this is incorrect, but it doesn't sound like you want to, you're trying to change minds. You're just like, you know what, you're not, you're not ready for what I have to offer. And I'm going to find the people who do see that value. Is that accurate? Or do you? Yeah, exactly. That's more, even like I, last year I was invited for TED Talk. And so there was, when I was presenting and there was a one person who said like, you know, maybe I need to change my accent. I said, I will present it the way I speak. If it mm. is acceptable, I'll come. If not, I They can. actually suggested you change your accent? Yes. Like in- yeah. Yeah. So like. That's so offensive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But- because it, it'll be much more approachable to people and all of that. But I, what I have seen, your personality matter, your energy matters and the content matters. And that's what I have learned. And that's how people have been accepting me. So I said, I'm not going to change for anything. This is how it is going to be. Yeah, you mentioned too before the the last answer about you know there have been some really low times. Is it mostly that when you encounter that kind of resistance, or what else has been kind of what have been the biggest challenges as you've gone about building this business? Um, I would also say that in a way the area that we are in, uh, I mean the lithium industry, uh, it's not a comfortable place to be in. Like mm. I've been to many conferences. And I see among 400 industries that were attending during one of the conference in Arizona, I was the only woman there. And to have those conversations, cold conversations, and there were many uncomfortable situations that I had to be there. But only end of the day, I remind myself, this is what I have chosen. And I'm going to go ahead no matter what, because I need to prove this. I want this to get into the world, not just in case to make, uh, you know, to do something better for myself, but also as a concern for the environment too. And also back in my country, water purification, there is a need for it. Mm -hmm. So considering all of this, I've just kept moving forward. But uh, yeah, I have faced some harsh things, but um, that is how it is. Oil industry or lithium industry, men and like what Nisha have mentioned, 
there were a lot of uh, uncomfortable encounters that I did have. But I, like I said, I find people who are more collaborative and just move forward. And then a couple of years later, you're going to have the same companies that were not in, in favor of working with you calling you up after yeah. Disrupt saying it's time. This, sorry, I, I maybe I didn't uh, mention this. I have seen people who, uh, uh, you know, shut doors upon me and people who have rejected my business model and our vision that we had. They have actually approached us. The way they talk, the way things happen are happening to me right now. They are surprising. So that's how it, it, you know, it's going to work out. And I've seen, oh my God, the shift and the transition are completely different. And yeah. That's great. You, you made waves on, on the TechCrunch side too. And that I believe if I have my research done correctly, y'all are the first all-female, all-woman of color team to have won a disrupt. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was going to ask about, so what comes next? So you talked a bit about, you know, you're, you're looking for the lead and you're in the due diligence process for that, but what, what's next for the company? What are your next, your goals for even into 2023 or beyond? So right now in North Carolina, we have Toyota battery manufacturing unit. That's going to be, you know, a very huge one that's going to start in 2025. We have sunlight batteries coming around and they're just here in Greensboro, all of them at one place. We are trying to get there. So we process battery-grade lithium. So once we do pilot demonstration, so like I said, even mayor and, you know, government is trying to help us, like city council is trying to help us. So if everything goes well, do the pilot demonstration after the customer validation. We would either have strategic alliance or a partnership uh, with these companies and they could be our customers. Nice. Yeah. And then does that require, do you think... Is there a lot of growth or hiring that you plan to do or what else? like is that coming off the round like what what is the round yes. then going to be oh, used so, for yeah. yeah so the round right now we are also using for hiring um, mm-hmm. basically soft skills like marketing and business uh, business development officer and also on the technical end we do require operational engineers and uh, process engineers so that would help us to leverage to pilot scale and then maybe once we get to the commercialization it's going to also boost the economy of you know, of the place that I live in. So yeah. that's how we are being promoted right now. Yeah. Right. Nice. More longer term, like what do you imagine in your ideal world? Like where does Minerva sit in like 10 years time? Like as an established company, as a mature company, like what do you think the future looks like for you? Definitely my ambition is to go public and mm-hmm. that's what I am aiming for. Even now I keep getting advices, uh, you're a woman and you need to take care of your family. You better license the technology. Mm -hmm. So this is something that I keep getting even now, even after coming this far, you keep getting those. But that is my ambition that I want to take it to, uh, you know, public and have this a public company. And then from there, maybe we will have a research and development center where we will be developing more exciting technologies because we know what the crisis would be next Rudy, cobalt, nickel, and then we have other things coming up. So maybe, you know, there's also other crisis where there's a lot of clay in the water, how to separate clay from the water. Mm-hmm. There are so many things that can be done. So I definitely want to have my own research and development center and then keep developing. So maybe I could also do that. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, that's great. I just out of curiosity, personally, do you have any goals now? What do, what do you want to accomplish, you know, with your own personal life over the next couple of years? For next couple of years, like I gave 10 years of time for myself uh-huh. to be in because each day, actually, um, after I graduate, I'm an international student, like mm-hmm. former. 
at that point of time i did get job in intel one of the biggest semiconductor company and then there was another university howard uh, university that is in washington dc and i had this different choices and i had to make choice with this which is so indefinite right there's nothing there and i'm an international student i get lot of my friends colleagues you know you're an international student you do not have luxury to you know experiment you do not have luxury to go ahead in this you don't see anything here people come to earn money here so yeah, I, yeah. so it was that way and today i get phone calls saying that how did you make this decision how did you know that you know this is going to come so i would say that i believe in what i'm doing right now and within 10 years i believe that i'm going to accomplish what my vision is and mm-hmm. like i said in a also sustainable way and also do something for my home country too so considering all of this and maybe at that point of time like i said i would just uh, you know get it uh, public and then yeah. have my own research and development and develop new technologies i think that's really powerful and you know i'm indian american and my dad came here my mom came here well mom's complicated but my dad came here you know in the 70s in the engineering wave that came over at the time but it, it was still following that very traditional path and to see what you've done is as an indian american person in the community it's like wow like I, you know i'm not a doctor and engineer and to be able to see what you've done is is equally as inspiring so thank you for that and doing it with your personality because i think you're also one of the only companies to have ever put a spongebob character on your lead slide <laughs> definitely definitely a first that we've had yeah so like i said like i'm good at telling stories and i when i tell story i look at my audience are they interested in what i'm saying and to grab their attention i kind of get these things uh, so that the story becomes much more uh, you know interesting for them and they are able to absorb it so that's how i have learned and i've got my way until here you know comparing because science is so difficult to get there so i ha- i also keep training these graduate students they have their pitch presentations and they have to do pitch their uh, thesis within 3 minutes mm-hmm. and i've been topping in that all my 4 years because i know to deliver that message like i say you know what you're using your phone you know i can make changes in that using my research so people have to feel your story personally mm-hmm. so it's not cancer for them to feel it because when i say cancer people are like oh my god you know there's a they feel for it so right. i have seen that because uh, and i i always compared why is the why are these people winning and why am i not winning because i am not making my story personal they are not connecting to my story so yeah. this is a way i kind of add little humor in a way and uh, so that they can also remember it at the end so maybe they remember now nano mosaic as sponge you know how sponge works yeah, yeah. so the story is in their head somehow so that's what i try to do That's great. Yeah. yeah. It's it is super important to make things relatable. Yeah. Something we struggle with on a daily basis mm-hmm. as writers at TechCrunch. But I think I think that's a terrific place to end because you made an absorption joke in a SpongeBob answer, <laughs> which I just want to point out wonderful. Genius. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> But thanks so much. It's been lovely talking to you Shiva and this is fantastic and you know we're very excited to see what Minerva does next and we're thrilled that you won the competition as well yeah and because you. i'm i'm always you know closing it's been a pleasure working with you for so many weeks and also you know when that ipo comes around mm-hmm. you you know you know who to announce that on yes. stage you just yes. come back <laughs> 
come back again to disrupt and, yes. and we'll put you on stage when you're announcing that IPO as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. I already saw myself there. So yeah, definitely. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Inside Startup Battlefield is hosted by me, Startup Battlefield editor, Nisha Tambe. We're produced and edited by Maggie Stamet and Grace Mendenhall. Bryce Durbin is our illustrator and Henry Pickabit manages TechCrunch audio products. Special thanks to all of our founders, experts, and the TC staffers who lent us their voices and expertise. Inside Startup Battlefield is part of the TechCrunch Podcast Network.